Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Standing, you can grab a seat. So welcome to 12 Stone here across our campuses. 12 Stone Home, all over the country, all over the world. We're so glad that you're joining us this weekend. And we're sort of in the middle of a, of a four-week series of sermons where we're talking about our emotions and how they, they affect us. And if we're honest, over the last 18 months or so, our emotions have gone out of whack. Our emotions have gone to the dark side for some of us, right? And then the way they affect each other and our relationships, today we're talking about the next emotion. Last weekend, Pastor Kevin unpacked the idea of hurt. Today, we're unpacking the idea of fear. We planned this topic weeks ago. <laughs> Can you think of a better topic to talk about after the news of this week than the thought of fear? Everywhere you look, there's something to be fearful of. And I've been praying all week that the Spirit of God would speak uniquely to each person, and, and he needs to, because immediately when I say fear, we're all over the map. There are people that are sitting inside the, 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 the range of my voice right now whose fear is owning them. Like they're under an oppression almost of fear. And then there's people on the other side that are like, I'm pretty good. <laughs> Maybe this isn't for me. And I, I, I want to caution you. Perhaps the Spirit of God today is going to make you more aware of how fear is driving your decisions and your life. And maybe the Spirit of God wants to awaken his church and here's, here's, the, here's the sort of big idea, the big thought for the day. Listen, we all have fears. Whether you know it or not, we all have fears. How do we deal with them? It's not how do you get rid of them. It's not how do you fix them. It's how do you deal with them? Because fear is something that's going to exist. It's a God-given emotion. See, fear can be a good thing or a bad thing. The good side of fear is it protects you. It's the reason you don't pet snakes, because you're in fear, right? And then the other side, it can go bad, and it can own you. Today, I think God's going to invite us into a conversation about fear where he wants to awaken his church. You see, I want to, I want to start us off in sort of a well-known environment. Maybe you've uh, been a child recently. Maybe you have kids of your own. Maybe you have grandkids. This scene is a familiar scene to you. The proverbial children's bedroom. I've spent hours next to this, these type of situations with my kids. And, you know, you get, you get them in bed, all the excuses not to be in bed, get them tucked in, get them there, you pray with them, and you say, all right, bud, uh, let, let's pray. All right, now you have a good night's sleep, turn the lamp off, and you slide out the door. And about the time that my wife and I have the popcorn ready, start a movie, and just it's our time to unwind, what do you hear from upstairs? Daddy! At that point, I lean over my wife and said, I think they said mommy. <laughs> And what do you do? You go, you go upstairs and you sit down next to them. They had a nightmare. There's something they're afraid of. Would you shut the closet door? Would you, would you turn the, the nightlight back on again? See, children have this experience. Parents, we've all been in this place before. You look at kids sometimes and go, how can you be afraid? It's a nightmare. It's, it's, it's silly. We all have fears. I'm just curious. How many of us, show of hands, how many of you don't like snakes? Hands up here across the camps at home. Better question might have been, who likes snakes? Anyone like snakes? I'm going to pray for you. There's something, wow, that's scary. Uh, any of you not like spiders? Hands up, all right? Any of you not like heights, like you're afraid of heights, okay? 
And any of you afraid of like confined spaces? Like don't put me somewhere where I feel like I'm locked in. All right. I, I personally, I, I don't do snakes. Like that's not for me. You know, I, I recently moved and uh, the homeowner that sold me his house, he said, hey, I got good news. And I got bad news. So, okay. He said, here's the bad news. We've killed a couple copperheads over the years. So make sure you're aware there's snakes and keep your kids aware of that. I said, okay, what's the good news? The good news is you've got a family of black snakes that live under your porch. And I'm going, not today, Satan. That's not. And he said, he said, no, 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 listen, it's a good thing because they keep the poisonous snakes away. I tried to keep it from my wife as long as I could until uh, finally at closing, they mentioned it. She's like, wait, wait, there's snakes. She wanted to burn the house down. Like we're done. Start over. We've all got fears. We all got stuff that we're scared of, right? And the reality is this. As a child, the, the monsters and the nightmares that you used to carry. Your fears don't stay in your childhood. They grow up with you. See, fears just get more sophisticated. You go from nightmares to nightmarish pressure at work. You go from monsters under your bed to the monsters of paying the bills and, and fear of the future and fear of unemployment and fear of what's happened over these last 18 months. Your fears just get more sophisticated from, from the headboard of, of, of a child's bed all the way to the headlines of, of, of what we read in the news. And maybe your fear looks less like a child's bedroom and more like the headlines that you read in the morning. And, and you wake up and you go, let's see what's happening in the world. Let's, let's go ahead and check the headlines. And you go, oh, Lord, help me. All right, no more news. Let me, let me, let me check social media. Let me hop on there. And you hop on your social media and you see uh, little Billy's uh, down the road, learned a third language, and they, and they just got the president's award for, for reading. And you're like, my kids don't add up. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm messing my kids up. And then you go, forget that. Let me hop onto my email. And somehow already there's problems at work. And then you skip from your email over to the Excel spreadsheets and QuickBooks. And you go, man, the business isn't, the, 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 the finances aren't coming into my business like I thought they would. And then you finally check, fine, I'll just check the weather for the day. And then somehow the, the hurricane comes up from Florida and you go, I can't catch a break. We're not suffering from a lack of things to fear. See, as we grow up, our fears grow up with us. And over the course of the last 18 months, there's been plenty of things to fear. And it feels like whatever device you grab, there's another thing to be scared of. See, the question is not, will you have fear? If you're an adult, you have fears, whether you admit it or not. Dudes, we like to pretend like we're fearless. But when you lay in bed at night, you're not in a children's bed anymore. But when you lay your head on the pillow, you tell me that you don't have thoughts and what ifs running through your head. You tell me that you don't have pressures running through your head. See, we all have fears. The question is, how do you deal with them? There's a story in Mark chapter four, and we're going to sit inside of this passage. It's, it's a story with Jesus and his disciples where they dealt with fear. And I think that the spirit of God wants to invite us as a church into this story. I think the spirit of God wants to encourage us with this story. How do we deal with fear? So Jesus had just been teaching all day long and he was tired. And this is where the story picks up in Mark four. Let's go ahead and read that together. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, a big storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
Jesus was in the CERN sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? You ever feel like that? God, do you even care? He got up, Jesus, and Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind, wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So you've read that story before, no doubt. If you're around church, you've heard the story. You probably read it as a kid. Jesus calming the storm. But I want to I break this down. Let me, let, me, let me start here. It hit me this week. At least three of the disciples were fishermen by trade. Think about this. They grew up on the water. Usually they sort of inherited the trade of their father and their father's father. And so they grew up on this very body of water. They fished it. They knew where all the honey holes were, where to get the right fish. They've seen the storms. They, they knew how to deal with the, the crazy weather of this area. So for this storm to shake them and rattle them that bad, it must have been a storm. Listen to me. You could have been in business for 20 or 30 years, and the storm of the last 18 months shook you. You could have been a parent. Your, your last kids graduating high school this year, like you've done it for decades, but the storm of what it meant to be a parent the last 18 months, it could have shaken you. So you could have been married for decades, and what it meant to be married amidst the storm of the last 18 months, it could have rattled you. I've been in ministry for 20 years. Pastor Kevin, 40 years. There, are, there were moments in the last 18 months that shook me. Don't pretend like your experience is going to get you past it. The disciples themselves, they know the water. They know these storms, and yet they were rattled. See, we, we, we see the disciples as the storm came. Their fear starts to grow in them. The fear starts to, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We're going to die. Like they went all the way to the extreme. We're going to die. They went and woke up Jesus. See, when we think of the emotion of fear, we think of it as an inherently bad emotion, don't we? Like fear is a bad thing, when in fact, fear is neutral. Fear is a neutral emotion. When fear is good, it keeps you from danger. It's the reason when you look over the edge of a cliff, you, you sort of shudder back. It's keeping you from danger. But in some cases, fear can keep you from the life you're supposed to live. Fear is a neutral emotion. It all comes down to this. What do you allow to inform your fear? See, this story only talks openly about one storm, but there were actually three levels to this storm. I want you to see this. There's a progression here. Here's how it starts out. The first storm is the storm of circumstances. The disciples are in the boat. There are waves. There's wind. There's water. The boat's being tossed about. The boat's taking on water. There are circumstances around them, a storm of circumstances they can't control. It's the call from the doctor with a diagnosis you weren't expecting. It's a call from your boss with some news that you weren't hoping for. The company's downsizing. It's the call from your manager of the business you're running, and they go, we can't find employees to show up. The storm of circumstances around you. But what happened is that storm of circumstances around the disciples stirred up a storm of fear inside the disciples. See, the storm around them stirred up a storm inside of them of fear. And you start to see, they start to look around going, all these circumstances around me are adding up and we're going to die. You can see it by the way they go to Jesus and go, Jesus, do you even care? 
The storms around us begin to stir up storms in us. You've felt this. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we've felt these moments over this past year, haven't we? The headlines you're reading, the things you're seeing, all the stuff around you eventually gets in you. And the storm goes from out there to in here. And then eventually for the disciples, the storm of fear eventually turned into a storm of faith. The storm around them drove a storm in them, which caused them to question the very person they loved. Jesus, do you even care? Sometimes the storms around you become storms in you. And you allow the circumstances to inform your fear. And you begin to question, God, do you even care? If I'm honest, I've had moments like that. You're a pastor. You're not supposed to do that. Oh, I've had my moments. And so have you. Moments like the disciples where you're just like, God, do you even care that I'm struggling to keep my head above water financially? Do you even care that I'm in a marriage where things are falling apart? Do you even care, God, that I'm sitting here terrified of the future, the circumstances in the future? I don't even know what they're, they're going to look like. We've had moments like this. And eventually, when the storm's outside, you become storms in you. You begin to question things. You know, my kids yell down, Dad. It takes me a minute to put the popcorn down, put the remote down, take the cover off, and walk in. And by the time I get there, they go, Dad, do you even care that I was scared? It's a natural reality. See, the difference between fear being healthy and helpful versus being unhealthy and unhelpful is about what informs your fear. Listen, if you're taking notes, here's the first thought. When circumstances inform your fear, it turns into paranoia. When you allow the things outside of you to inform the fear inside of you, it turns into paranoia. See, fear of illness, fear of being alone, fear of heights, fear of unemployment, these are all normal fears. But if you allow them unchecked, they metastasize into a paranoia. See, Max, Max Lucado says the step between, between prudence and paranoia is short and steep. See, prudence tells you to wear a seatbelt. Paranoia says avoid cars. You see the difference? See, prudence says, listen, I'm going to save for old age. Paranoia says, no, I'm going to hoard everything, even junk. See, prudence tells us that we need to prepare and, and plan. Paranoia makes you panic. Prudence calculates the risk and takes the plunge, but paranoia never enters the water. Listen, maybe you've sat long enough in your circumstances informing your fear that you're actually living in a paranoid state. So you hear the word anxiety. In a lot of ways, this is where anxiety comes from. Now listen, some of us, we need clinical help with anxiety. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that low-grade anxiety that just starts to eat your lunch. I'm talking about that laying on the pillow at night, can't sleep, thinking about all the things that could go wrong, that sort of paranoid state. Listen, when your circumstances inform your fear, it turns into paranoia. I was a kid, neighbor a couple houses down, put in a pool, which is good news for Jason, because I didn't have a pool. I did. It's a kiddie pool like that big, but it's really lame. But they put in like a legit in-ground awesome pool, and we were friends with them. You know, the only thing better than having a pool of your own is having a friend with a pool, Right? You don't have to pay to keep it clean, everything else. So we'd, we'd go down there and swim. The problem was they got a dog. It was a giant Doberman pincher. Now, when I was a kid, that dog looked like a horse. 
And that dog was very friendly, but it would run up to me and knock me over. And I was always terrified of the dog. So it got to the point where I was so afraid of the dog that I would stay inside and not go swim. I could hear my brother and our friends splash in the pool, having a blast. And I stayed inside because I was scared of this stupid dog. Now you could say, yes, I was protected. I was protecting myself, but I was missing the pool. Listen, what paranoia does is cause you to protect yourself and miss the pool. And maybe you've sat inside of a storm like this past season and you've started to shrink your life. In America, there's whole industries dedicated to protecting yourself. And what you say is, listen, I'm in control. Listen, you might be protected, but you're still in an emotional prison. See, what happens when you allow your circumstances to inform your fear is that you live in paranoia. And paranoia makes you want to bring your life into something the size you can control. So when, you're, when you have this sort of underlying fear and paranoia that swells up, like you're afraid that you're going to be alone. You're single. You're like, I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. What do you do? You contort yourself, whatever shape you need to be, to get into a relationship. And you cross lines you shouldn't cross because you're trying to control something you're afraid of. See, when you're, when you're struggling financially, and this storm of, of fear and this sort of anxiety about your finances come in, you start to hoard things and grab things and, and try to be in control of things. You lose generosity, you lose first fruits because your fear is owning you. See, you're raising kids and you have this underlying fear and anxiety. Am I messing my kids up? Moms, how many times have you laid in bed and asked that question? Am I messing my kids up? Are they going to grow up to be good adults, productive parts of society? What have I done to mess them up? So what do you do? You start helicopter parenting and grabbing them and pulling them closer. And what you're really doing is pushing them away. See, the reality is fear is fear makes you do things you don't want to do and puts you in prisons you don't want to be in. When you allow the circumstances around you to inform the fear within you, you live in paranoia. And maybe God would invite us into a different way. Like if we're followers of Jesus, maybe God would invite us into a different way of looking at our fear. You see, when faith informs your fear, it turns into peace. When faith informs your fear, it turns into peace. Listen, when your circumstances inform your fear, it turns into paranoia. But listen, when you allow your faith to inform your fear, it turns into peace. And you can talk back to your circumstances. Like, listen, my faith tells me that this is how I sit inside of fear. I don't have to fear it. And I can look at my circumstances. Listen, I'm not, yes, I want to get married someday. I'm not afraid of God's plan for my life. You get to speak to your circumstances. You see, Jesus' peace is not the removal of circumstances. See, many of you went into these 18 months going, I could lose my business, and you did. Many of you walked into this season going, man, I, I'm afraid I'm going to take some hits financially, and you did. Many of you walked through this season, and you had a fear that, man, my, my marriage is going to go through some stuff this year, and it did. See, the reality of Jesus' peace is not a peace without the storms. It's peace in the storms. And you can weather things differently when your faith informs your circumstances. See, I don't know what you've been through this year. But maybe, church, listen, maybe the Spirit of God 
would awaken us to see things different, to live different. As I was praying through this week, like many of you, I was praying for the church in Afghanistan. And I was humbled thinking about what they were going through. And I, I literally just sort of had a dialogue with God. It wasn't like audible or weird. I was just sort of saying, God, how do these people, how do Christians over there stare utter terror in the face? And they seem to be unshaken by it. Like, God, how, how do they stare fear in the face and they're unshaken? And it was like the Spirit of God whispered this thought. They know I am near and they know their future is clear. In other words, they take the gospel at face value. Like when they believe the gospel, they just take it at face value. They take the promises of God at face value. Like when they know that God sent his son Jesus to step out of heaven and into the storms of this world, he became fully man, fully God, and he lived the life that we couldn't live ourselves. And he died the death that we deserved, that those who would believe in him would have the relationship with the Father reestablished so that God can once again be near. And that when a person who follows Jesus, when their life comes to an end, they don't have a, a hopeless eternity. They have an eternity with Jesus. Their future is clear. See, when you know that God is near and your future is clear, fear hits different. See, maybe, maybe that's what God wants to speak to us today. And if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write those two things down. Here are the two promises that in the storms of fear that climb up inside of you, here are the two promises that followers of Jesus hold on to. God is near and your future is clear. And I want to challenge you not to dismiss those phrases because they're sort of cheeky and they rhyme. There's profound truth underneath of these. Philippians 4, 5 to 7. God is near. Here's what it says in Philippians. The Lord is at hand. That matters to the rest of the context. Everyone say that with me. The Lord is, stop, say it like that matters. The Lord is at hand. Let's say it. The Lord is at hand. He is here. The God of the universe is here. He's in the campuses. He's in your living room. He's in the tap room. He's in the, the, the neighborhood center you're watching from right now. The presence of God is as near as your breath. So if the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the fact that the Lord is near, the Lord is at hand, he is right here. It changes how you engage the storms around you. God is as near as your breath. He will not leave you nor forsake you. His presence will comfort you in the storm. He doesn't leave you to fend for yourself. In fact, Jesus left the perfection of heaven to come be near to us. Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus returned to heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus, God is in you. He's as near as your heart. And when you hit these storms, you have to know that God is near. See, 
when my kids get scared at night. Here's what's, here's what's interesting. They say they're afraid of the dark. But in reality, they're actually afraid of being in the dark alone. As soon as I show up, they can stay dark. The room's lights didn't come on. I'm just present. Listen, you're actually not afraid of the storms you're in. You're afraid of being in the storms alone. We're all going to go through storms. And maybe God wants to use like a simple picture, like a children's bedroom for us to get honest. Tell me there's not been moments where you feel like you're lying in the proverbial bed alone. And the dark feels like it's surrounding you. And the weight and the pressure that sits in here about what it means to provide. Men, no one understands the weight of what it means to provide as a husband and a father. No one really understands that weight. Moms, no one realizes the weight and pressure of what it means to raise kids and to make mistakes and lose your temper. And then the fear and the evil wants to keep whispering to you, you messed it up. They're messed up for forever. And you feel like sometimes you're laying alone, staring at the ceiling, terrified of the storms around you. And fear just starts to grow up in your gut. And you get to a point like the disciples where you go, God, do you not care? I'm dying. God, do you not care? I lost my job. God, how am I going to pay the bills? God, my boyfriend broke up with me and I feel so alone. Do you not even care? And you feel like you're laying alone in bed at night and you're crying, crying out for your dad. Dad, and feel like he's coming. Like my kids years ago, if they'd call and I wouldn't come, they'd, by the time I get there, they're just broken and crying. And maybe this year's felt like that. Listen, I could, I could teach and say more words about this. But I had a distinct sense this week that I wanted to get out of the way and I want to give you a few moments with dad. See, ultimately, my kids, brothers and sisters couldn't help them. They need dad. I, I can't help you. You need dad. And maybe what you need more than anything is a fresh experience of the nearness of God. So I want to give you some space to offer some prayers. And I want the picture ingrained in your head that if, if you're laying in the bed, this is what your dad does. I'm here. I know. I know it's scary. I know there's storms everywhere, but I'm here. And maybe you've not experienced the nearness of God in a while. And what you need is not more teaching. What you need is a fresh experience of his nearness. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you space. And maybe your prayer is just simply, God, remind me how close you are. Maybe your, your prayer is to bring him some fear. God, I lay up at night and I fear this and I fear this. Would you allow your heavenly father to come next to your bed and remind you how close he is? So father in heaven, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fall would be among us, that you would speak uniquely to each of your kids. You know their fear. You know where they're at. You know the beds they lay in and the fears and the weight and the anxiety they carry. Oh God, would you draw as near as they need you to be in this moment? 
this and ask your heavenly father to draw near. next to the bed saying, I am here. Maybe God will calm some storms around you and maybe he'll do that miraculously, but I promise he'll calm the storms in you with his presence. Fearless is a result of nearness. So God, would you remind us afresh of your presence? Would you meet people right where they're at? The truth that God is near, calm the storms in us. There's one more truth we have to grab though. First, God is near. Second, your future is clear. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are clear about what our future holds. 
See, Romans 8, 18 says this. Maybe. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, all the storms we are going through, it doesn't compare to the promise of eternity. And sometimes we get so caught up in our world that we forget there is another world that we get invited into as followers of Jesus. See, death is just a doorway. Scripture tells us, Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 15.55, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? See, when the disciples took their fear to the ultimate place, it was, do you care that we're going to die? Like the storm was scary, but what was really scary was death. If you're a follower of Jesus, death has lost its sting. There is no hopelessness in the kingdom of God. And I don't care what storm you're going through. If you're going through cancer, death has no sting. If you think your marriage is, is, is heading towards death, listen, God can bring those things back to life. If you've buried dreams and you say, listen, they're in the grave, God can bring those things back to life. If you're a follower of Jesus, death has no sting. Say it this way, don't tempt me with heaven. You wanna come after me? You wanna take my life? Don't tempt me with heaven. Church, maybe what God wants to do is bring a boldness back to us. Maybe, maybe God would remind us that we are living with a backstop. We're not on our own. This life is not all that there is. See, when fear, when circumstances speak to your fear, it starts to tell you this is it. You're on your own, God's not near, and this is it. So you better make the most of life because this is all you got. And so you start to grab a hold of things and your life starts to shrink and maybe God would wake his church up to live boldly because our future is secure. If you know the end of a movie, the tension doesn't exist to the movie, does it? Like if I know the good guy wins in the end, I'm not scared as all the scenes happen. I see the ups, I see the downs, but I know the good guy wins, so I'm not, I'm not scared and there's no tension. But as we sit here, as followers of Jesus, we know the end of the movie. Your future is clear, so let's live like it. See, maybe over the past 18 months, fear has sort of owned you. And you've allowed the storms around you to turn into storms in you. And fear is actually informing your faith instead of the other way around. And your fear of finances has caused you to hoard and get selfish. Fear of your kids' futures caused you to be overprotective. Fear of being alone is causing you to manipulate relationships to try to just mitigate that fear. Fear of losing your job has caused you to be walk on pins and needles everywhere around the office, and God's going, listen, I'm calling you to live boldly like you know the end of the movie. So maybe there's something today that God would just whisper to your heart. It's time to live boldly because, listen, I am with you. I am near. Your future's clear. And maybe as you come up to storms from this point forward, you just repeat that little mantra. God, you are near. God, my future is clear. God, you are near. That's for the here and now. And my future is clear. That's for the hereafter. Church, maybe God would sort of knit that into your soul.
as you come up to the storms of this world, you have the truth that God is near, your future is clear. There's one last group I wanna talk to before we're done. And maybe you're hanging out at one of our campuses, you're hanging out at a 12-stone home and you're spiritually unresolved. You're sort of on this faith journey, but you're not a follower of Jesus yet. You don't know what you believe about all this stuff. And, and you, you hear me talk about this, this peace in the midst of storms that Jesus can offer. And the only thing you can figure out is, listen, that you translate it to fantasy and delusion and sort of blindly just having spiritual optimism. Like you're just doing the, the fairy tale sort of thing if you're a Christian. You're just sort of faking it. Why? Because the only peace you can find is the peace you produce yourself. So you don't, you don't have eyes to see the peace that Jesus brings in the midst of storms. Because the only peace you have is the peace you produce. So in order for your life to not be amidst storms, you have to avoid every storm. So as long as you're, you're dating someone good, got a good job, and money's right, you're good. But as soon as one of those towers crumble, you crumble. Can I just be honest with you? Aren't you tired of having to manufacture your own peace? your own strength on your own aren't you tired of that the promise of Jesus is that you're not on your own the promise of Jesus is that when the storms come they, they will come for all of us but when they do he will give you a peace in the storm Maybe over the course of these 18 months, you've had like a spiritual roller coaster trying to figure this whole thing out. And maybe today God has prepared you for this very moment. Where the Spirit of God has whispered, listen, I am near, whether you like it or not. And your future can be clear. If you'd surrender your life to Jesus, your future is written. In a minute, pastors are going to step up across the campuses and in 12 Stone Home. They're going to tell you what that looks like. But Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.